You guys can be seated. These three people have decided to, to come alongside us as a church, as members. Um, and really, membership here at CIV is deciding to, to join the team and to contribute to the mission that God's given us to do. So we're really glad that you guys decided to do that welcome to Church in the Valley. Uh, over the last few weeks, uh, Randy's been talking about virtues that uh, make a difference in the way that we relate to each other, found in the Bible, specifically in Colossians chapter 3. This morning, Randy's going to be talking about humility, and at this time, I'd like to introduce you to Tanya uh, Karyagana. Uh, Tanya is going to be sharing uh, with us this morning about humility and how that, that has made a difference in a specific situation in, in her life. Uh, Tanya was raised in Kazakhstan, and she's been studying music here in the U.S. for the last uh, 11 years. Um, Tanya, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, when, when did you commit your life to Christ? I committed my life to Christ when I was 16 years old. Okay, and, and how long have you been a member here at, at CIV? I've been a member at CIV for the past six years almost. Okay, and I mentioned she, she's been studying music, specifically the piano. How long have you been playing the piano? Pretty much all my life, since I was five years old. And now I'm pursuing um, a doctorate in piano performance at USC. Okay, great. We're actually going to have the opportunity to hear from Tanya play in the service. And we really appreciate your willingness to share with us this morning. Thank you. I would like to share with you how our humility made a difference in the relationship with my main professor. But first, I'd like to play a piece for you by Liszt called La Campanella.
although it may seem effortless for you to watch me play, but it's actually taken me some hours and days and even years to practice this piece so that I could perform it well in public. As a musician, I struggled with just wanting to get praise from people for all my hard work that I do instead of constantly being criticized. Almost six years ago, um, I got a chance to play for my current professor, and he liked my playing, and he accepted me into his studio. So when I moved to, to, moved to Los Angeles to do my master's, I got a bit prideful thinking that um, he will just continue to notice me and praise me for all my talent and the hard work that I do. However, as soon as I started taking lessons with him, I realized that it wasn't quite what I was expecting. He was actually very harsh, and he had a very difficult temper. Um, and just he would just scream at me every time I would make play a wrong note. And he would just um, make me practice on my own. And when I would play for the whole class, he would just humiliate me by pointing out all the things that I did wrong without ever mentioning them in class. And I would just feel very crushed and, you know, hopeless and humiliated by that. Instead of um, getting help, being helped by, the te by my teacher and encouraged by him, I just felt rather discouraged to continue playing. Um, but I, however, just decided to continue taking lessons with him because he was very highly regarded in the musical world and also just because I didn't want to be hopping around from teacher to teacher trying to find a perfect match for myself. Unfortunately, um, being involved in Christian Challenge at USC and attending CIV helped me learn that um, God wanted me to, uh, to be humble, especially relating to their authority. Titus 3, 1 and 2 says that we should be reminded to be subject to rules and authorities and that we need to show true humility to all men. Showing true humility to all men included my, included my teacher. And after a lot of um, praying, just scripture reading, God revealed to me that um, although my teacher was not following Christ, and he didn't quite care about me as much um, as a person or um, as a musician, um, however, he, God still loved him the same way he loved me, and he put him an authority over me. He allowed that to happen. And um, I just started to pray before each lesson that God would give me humility and that he would help me to treat my teacher with love, honor, and respect. And I continue to do that, just pray. Um, although I don't think that my teacher's style of teaching changed much, but I've noticed that over time, I guess my attitude toward his teaching did. And God just helped me to learn how, instead of reacting to his harshness, to just filter things through after the lesson and take the criticism that's applicable to improving my piano playing in and just leaving it else, everything else out. And um, I just noticed that over time he started respecting me more and even praising me. And now I complain that he's not criticizing me enough and praising me too much. <laughs> yeah. uh, First Peter 5.5 5 says that um, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Although it's difficult for me sometimes to do relationships God's way, and I definitely fail at it quite a bit, um, I've seen how God blessed and prospered the relationship with my current teacher and gave me grace as I chose to humble myself before God and before my teacher. Thank you. morning. Really glad you're here with us this morning. I, I've really enjoyed this, this series. It's been against the backdrop of, of art and artists, which has helped culture the pastor of this congregation. Um, I, am, I am not that. I, I, it, was, it was funny because we were checking out something on the piano in between services, and so I was up here you know, playing, and I fell back on my old standard so as I <laughs> as I listened to Tanya this morning the second time, boy, I really appreciated <laughs> all the work in a in a deeper way that she's put in uh, to do that. What what she didn't say and what she wouldn't say probably is that she's one of the top pianists in the world, who's just been one of the gang for six years, <laughs> and so we were able to enjoy her hard work and what. What God does is he, he drops people into different arenas that have chosen to follow him. And what he wants out of us is he wants us to set an example to the rest of the world. As we follow him, he starts from the inside in your heart. And he begins to change you, the way that you think and the way that you treat others. And as we're in these different arenas, Tanya's in the, the, the arena uh, of uh, music, and we're all in different places, but God's trying to change us so that as people witness the change, they're drawn toward him, and that's his intent with our lives. So as you come to Christ, you you do things that other people do sometimes, uh, like play the piano, maybe even better than, than most, <laughs> but you have purpose in that that you didn't have before, so... As she works toward excellence, she does that to honor God. As, as we work in school or wherever we're uh, giving our, our, ourselves on a daily basis, we, we work toward excellence. We want to work hard so that we bring honor and glory to God. Boy, that adds a dimension to life that you don't have without him. And so as we look this morning, we're, we're digging in. We're looking at the right style for relationships. And we've been talking about virtues that God grows in us as we follow him and as we walk with him. Um, these things make relationships good. They make relationships last. They, and you don't just have to endure them, but they're actually enjoyable. So uh, we, we've been digging in to Colossians 3 and pulling out these qualities and the backdrop of Colossians 3 and I don't think I've mentioned this yet we've been this is the third week we've been in this but Colossians 1 and 2 deal with some ideas that were going on in the first century 
Paul writes to the church there. God had him write it down, and, and it's God's word to us now, and it makes perfect sense today as you dig in. But he was dealing with some ideas that were wrong about God, about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Some guys came into the church and they said, you know, you can't just trust Christ and get right with God. You have to do all of these other things. So he lines out a bunch of rules, a bunch of regulations that you have to do. And and uh, Paul's writing this letter to say, you know, that's wrong. It's It's Christ. It's what he's done. We just have to trust him. And then he comes into our life and he begins to work to change us. There was a group that was beginning to form in the first century. It didn't go full-blown until the second century or so, but they became known as the Gnostics. Well, Gnostics, Gnosis means knowledge. And so that's another backdrop to the passage that we've been studying in Colossians 3, 5 through 17, is that there was this group saying that you have to have, you have to do the right things, you have to have follow all these rules and regulations, and then you you have to have the secret knowledge. We've got the knowledge. You know what happens when you have the secret everybody else doesn't have? That makes you special. And you tend to look at other people as a superior person and look down on, on those around you. So that's the backdrop to what we're looking at. In, in chapter 3, Paul turns the corner and he begins to apply the truths that he's been talking about in the first couple chapters. And so last week, what we looked at was compassion and kindness. Those are virtues that help us connect in relationships. When, when you're growing distant because of conflict or irritation with people, this is how you bridge the gap. Compassion is allowing the need of someone else to get to my heart. And kindness is once you see the need, you're aware of the need, you step out to meet it. Or you help somebody else with their goal in the same way. Um, these, these qualities, compassion and kindness, and actually all the ones that we're looking at, they grow out of agape love. It's, it's the way God lo- loves us. It's, agape love is, agape is a Greek word. This was originally written in the Greek. And uh, the Bible says that God saved us. In other words, he, he made us right with him. He brought us back into a relationship with him, not because of anything we had done, but because of his mercy. His own compassion and kindness is what motivated God to connect with us. And so a connection with Christ should make its way into the relationships that we live out. And God's going to motivate us to this. He's going to motivate us to live above a job description level in our relationships. You know, in the back of our minds, sometimes we fall into default mode. Well, you know, I'm only going to do what I'm really supposed to do as a husband. Or I, you know, my contract says here at work that this is all I've got to do. I'm not going to do anymore. Well, God, God pushes us past that out of compassion and kindness to, to do above and beyond. Today we're looking at an attitude that uh, changes the way we approach to each other. It's a virtue that that changes our attitude and approach. Verse 12 in Colossians 3 says that as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we're to clothe ourselves, we're to put these things on. This is our new style. We said no to the old style and we've decided to put on the new style. Compassion, kindness and humility. You know, respect is a core element of a good relationship, a relationship that's going to last, keep going, 
where there's mutual blessing and benefit between the two parties. It's, it's very important. It grows out of a couple of things. Um, respect grows when both people in a relationship or all the people in a relationship are carrying their own weight. If somebody's not carrying their own weight, you lose respect for them. Um, also, if they're busting through boundaries that are established or they, you know, you, you, you mess up and you do wrong, you, you break, break through some boundaries that God set up together, you lose respect for each other. It's just, it's just not, it's not what it could have been. So there are some other things that add to respect. But as you get into scripture, you find out that humility is the way to honor. It's the way to true respect and esteem from the people that you relate to. Proverbs 18:12 says, "Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor." This is this is the way to honor. Honor. You you can be talented, you can be gifted, you can be extremely competent. But if you are proud, the people around you are rooting for you to go down. <laughs> I guarantee you, they're just like waiting. And, and if you are proud, they only have to wait because they can count on it. You're going down if you choose pride. This, this is something God has woven into the fabric of life. Pride comes before the fall. On the other hand, humility is the oil that reduces friction in relationships. It is voluntarily yielding to someone else out of respect and esteem or due to their authority. Now, there are some ways that we choose to yield, and then there are some things still that we don't yield in out of humility. But some of the things we decide to yield in is are matters of preference. In other words, you know, if it's Jack in the Box or McDonald's, you know, you want to go to Jack in the Box, get the two tacos for 99 cents. And somebody else wants to go to McDonald's that's in the car. You know, humility would just yield. Okay, I can get a Big Mac. I'm okay with that. You know, it's all food. This works. may not be that great for you, but (laughs) it's food. So matters of preference. When you come to that crossroads, humility yields. You know, what's the big deal? It doesn't really matter. It's food. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help us keep going here. Um, in matters of convenience, same thing. You, you choose humility to serve. We're going to find out. As you, as you decide to follow Christ, you, you hit these points where, okay, who's going who's gonna to do this? Who's going to sacrifice and serve here? All right, I will. In, in our world, the goal is a lot of times to rise to the top of the heap so you don't ever have to serve anyone or ever again do something that that's menial. Um, you know, we we want to, and then, you know, it's nice sometimes to to go to a restaurant and be served. But as we as we think about rising to the top of the heap and having enough money so that we can pay for everyone to do everything for us, that doesn't work that way in the family. You know, they're not on the payroll. They're they're not thinking, hey. You aren't paying me anything <laughs> to serve you. It doesn't work out. It's a problem. Somebody's got to serve. Who's going to do it? Humility chooses to do that. Same thing with your coworkers. 
Even, even if you're the boss, you use your authority to serve, Scripture says. And wow, things go smoothly. It's the oil that reduces the friction. It's also the same in matters of prominence. Scripture says, let others praise you, not your own mouth. You know, I don't know if you watch reality TV. We watch some at our house. That is just constant. They're just pounding each other to be number one, just constant pounding to be, to be the, the number one in the situation, to, to gain prominence. And that's kind of normal in our society. And we, we carry that in. What happens is the picture in this passage is when you commit your life to Christ, you, you put off the old way. And that would be pride, self, self-exaltation, arrogance, pumping yourself up. That's, that's the old way. And you put on the new way, humility. And um, as you get in, the, the picture of this passage is that you're, you're changing clothes. You realize, oh, wow, that was proud. That was arrogant. What was I thinking? Why did I say that? Well, then you throw that off like a dirty shirt and you put it on. What happens is we made that decision back when we committed our life to follow Christ as Lord. Okay, God, I've been, I've been doing this all wrong. I'm going to go your way. But we work that out over a lifetime as we choose over and over again to follow Christ, to, to let him lead us and choose us. So what happens, though, is we have this native instinct to want to be the star of everything we're involved in. You know, so we go to a meeting at work and we're sitting there thinking, what can I say to look brilliant? <laughs> you know, we're not thinking, what can I do to help move the, the company forward? But what can I say to look brilliant? Or we go to a team meeting, maybe even here at church where we're in a meeting and we're not thinking quite how, how to make, how to help the church fulfill the mission that we have, but we're thinking, I'd really like some credit here. You know, and so I'm going to think of how to come up with just the right solution to do that. So we want to be the star. On the flip side, choosing humility is an act of faith. If, if I don't push and shove and make sure I get noticed, who is going to give me the attention I deserve? Humility is yielding, laying, laying down your rights. In ways, and then letting God raise you up. He's paying attention, and He will. He will do that. You allow Him to exalt you in due season, the scripture says. Humility, though, doesn't mean that you compromise on principles. It doesn't mean that you yield when something's wrong. Like you're in a conversation, people start to gossip. Humility doesn't just say, okay, I need to be one of the group and fire. No, you, you draw the line. It also doesn't mean that when there's an assignment, you know, you're, you, you have an assignment at work and everybody else is just not taking it seriously, decide to take a break. No, I'm not going to yield and just be one of the gang. There, there, is, there is a line there. Um, being a doormat is not the way to foster respect, and that's not what humility is. That's timidity. That's, that's another category. But in matters of preference, and convenience, and these things, we humble ourselves before God and before the people around us. Even, even if we have authority, we use our authority as believers who follow Christ, we use it to bless and in a humble way to serve the people that we're leading. 
Humility actually allows us to really go after the goals that we have while maintaining respect. If you're proud and pushy, people resent you. They don't respect you. They're just hoping you go down soon. And it's not putting ourselves down, but having the right, accurate self-image. You know, Tanya had the wherewithal. Boy, that took a lot of personal strength to take that. And I'm sure it still does from the teacher. A a lot. You have to have a strong self-image. That grows out of her relationship to God. She, She could take that. She can filter now. It just flows off. It's... It's like Teflon because in her heart, she knows him. She knows he loves her. And that makes all the difference in the world. So it's not putting yourself down, but it's having the, your strength in Christ, having your confidence in him and allowing you to move forward. It actually also helps us to see what's going on in any given situation. Humility really helps. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You know that sign on the rearview mirror in the car that says objects may appear uh, closer than they really are? Is that what it says? Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, you, you need that perspective when you're driving the car because if you don't realize that, you can really cause some damage. And in a situation, if, you're, if you choose pride, what happens is your self-importance is blinding you to what's really going on. Humility brings wisdom as you choose it. Something else about it, humility is the right style in every relationship. It's always in style. So Tanya quoted this verse in 1 Peter 5.5. 5, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. One motivation toward humility should be the bruises that we feel from hitting the deck when we choose pride. So what we have to do sometimes is make the connection between what's going wrong and did I get proud over this? Did I did I just splat? Because of my pride, that, that's a possibility, so we have to consider it. Humility is a core attitude in relationships that makes things work because pride inflates our self-importance and distorts the situation. And what's happening is, as our head grows bigger and bigger, God's just waiting. Shh, pop! It's going to pop at some point, and, and the whole thing's going to fall apart. So... It's, it's important to realize how life actually works and that God has built this in. It's very, very important to learn this in our approach to life because God brings blessing and grace to those who humble themselves. Now, how do we put humility on? There's some instruction here in this passage. First of all, hold on to your new identity in Christ. Verse 11 says, here there is no Greek or Jew. That's the, he's talking about nationalities. In, in Christ, once you commit your life to Christ, all the, the nationalities disappear. The, the main thing that matters as we come together here in church life and as we relate is Jesus Christ himself. Circumcised or uncircumcised, that, that refers to your religious background. Where you came from religiously is not as important as your relationship to Christ right now. That's, that's the thing that matters. 
not where you've come from, no matter what your background is. He says barbarian or Scythian. Those are cultural differences. Um, actually, in this series, I'm becoming less barbarian. I'm getting cultured myself. So um, anyway, those are cultural differences. Greeks considered all non-Greeks as barbarians, and Scythians are the lowest of the barbarians. Slave or free, that's, that refers to economic status. So here in the church, and after you come to Christ, these things go away. These differences fade because Christ is all and in all. He is number one, and we, we live for him now. And we want to please him. When you come to Christ, nothing about your heritage gives you an edge. And nothing about your heritage gives you a disadvantage. But if you think highly of yourself, if you think lowly of yourself because of your background, it brings you to level ground with everybody around you. And so then, out of this new identity, you don't wrap yourself around your work, what you do for a living. You don't wrap yourself around where you've come from your address, your social status growing up, whatever it is. But you wrap your heart around Jesus Christ and who he's made you to be. And then you set out to treat others in the right way. Nothing else should make me feel superior to others or separate me, even make me feel inferior to others in in my relationships. Your value is based on Jesus Christ. Because God loves you and he died for you. He, he not only made you, but when all of us decided to rebel against him, he died for you and I. He died for us. What I was just reviewing a verse of scripture this morning. Um, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We're not our own. We've been bought. We've been paid for. We are his. So. That becomes our core identity out of which we're able to choose humility and faith as we wait on God to act. The second thing to do is to be renewed in the right kind of knowledge. It says we put on our new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge and the image of the creator. When you decide to follow Christ, putting on this new style is a constant process that takes place as we're renewed through the word of God, through the Bible, through the word of Christ. It begins to change the way we, we, look, we look at things and the way we live. Um, my, my daily time with the Lord in the scripture is the thing that shifted my mentality and changed my heart more than anything else. You, know, you get up, you get into the Bible, and God just... You, know, you, you will not change based on what I tell you. And what I'm talking about up here, you will change based on what God tells you and what he speaks to you about. And that happens here some. That happens here. As, as you come in, we talk about the word. He, he speaks to you and he begins to shift the way you think and, and the way you, you live. But nothing like getting into the Bible for yourself and letting him renew your knowledge in the image of the creator, the one who made you. That's, that's the way to grow. Um, the third thing is to listen to the peace of Christ. Oops, sorry. Listen to, listen, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Colossians 3.15 says. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. 
Pride will always disturb the peace in your heart. Once you decide to follow Christ, he comes and lives in you. And when you choose things that don't please him, the Holy Spirit lets you know. You get convicted of it. And pride will always disturb the peace. And demanding, being a demanding person is a form of pride. Demanding your way, demanding what you want. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to Taco Bell. I'm going to Jack in the Box. You know, it's ugly. Not that big a deal. We, we demand. When you get demanding, you're out of style. And the peace of Christ blows the whistle. It calls the shot in your heart. So that's the third thing. The last thing is to live up to your new name. Verse 17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever flows from pride is not in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're living for him. If you decide to live for him and humble yourself, boy, that reduces the friction in your relationships. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 says it this way. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live up to the name now that you bear. We're Christians. We're followers of Christ. Live up to his name. The way we do that. First thing said, be completely humble. That's characteristic of Jesus himself. He, there was a, uh, a point in his relationship with his disciples when Jesus was on earth where there was an argument that broke out among them as to who was going to be first in the kingdom, who was going to sit at his right and his left. It's, you could have seen the same kind of thing on Survivor or The Amazing Race or anything. They're, you know, they're talking about, hey, who's going to be the most important? Who's going to be number one? Well, Jesus turned to them and he said, uh, you know that the Gentiles, those who don't follow God, are uh, they, they use their authority to pound people. But this shall not be so among you. If you want to be first in my kingdom, you must be the, the servant of all. If you want, if you want to be the first, then you must be the slave of all. For even me, the, the God of the universe, who stepped into human history, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And so if you follow Christ, you follow him in humility to serve those around you. Not to exalt yourself, not to be number one. You serve humbly and let God put you where he will. And he is. He will do that. He is faithful to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word. It is so helpful to hear what you have to say to us. And my prayer is, God, as you've spoken and you've pointed out specific things, my prayer is that you would help us to take the steps that we need to take to obey you because therein lies the blessing. We honor you. People are drawn to you by the life they see. and.